helping me read the scripture today on Pentecost. And by the way, our scripture will be in English, Spanish, Mandarin, and American Sign Language. I invite you all to come forward and let us share. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. 我们都听见这些人在用我们本地的话诉说上帝伟大的行为。Y todos los escuchamos hablar en nuestra lengua acerca de las maravillas de Dios. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Es que están borrachos, les respondían otros, en son de burla. Entonces, Pedro se puso de pie junto con los otros once y con potente voz dijo, varones judíos y ustedes habitantes todos de Jerusalén, Sepan esto y entiendan bien mis palabras. Contra lo que ustedes suponen, estos hombres no están borrachos, pues apenas son las nueve de la mañana. Más bien, esto es lo que dijo el profeta Joel.
la palabra de Dios. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. God, we are grateful that you are with us today, and we thank you that you are with the people of the world. We thank you today for what you have given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The story is told of Tallulah Bankhead, who was in a high church Episcopal worship service on a holy day, and Tallulah Bankhead was seated in the aisle seat near the front of the church, and the Episcopalian priest came dressed in full priestly regalia and swinging a censer with incense back and forth, back and forth, and as this wonderful smell filled the church. The priest passed Tallulah Bankhead in one of the seats near the front, and she reached out and grasped his robe. He was not accustomed to someone reaching out and grasping his robe, and he paused, and Tallulah Bankhead, as only she could, said to him, your dress is divine. But your purse, pointing to the swinging censer filled with incense, your purse, she said, is on fire. <laughs> Today we talk about the power that comes in the Holy Spirit as God makes the church a people who are on fire for Jesus. Today, we talk about what Pentecost means, and there are a couple of things that Pentecost means. Uh, the power of Pentecost uh, signifies to us, and one of them is that the power of the Tower of Babel is undone. Now, maybe you remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Maybe you don't. So I'm going to review for just a moment. In Genesis chapter 11, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks, burn them thoroughly, and they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered upon the face of the whole earth. If you're into archaeology, you know what a ziggurat is. Um, one of the best preserved ziggurats in history has been destroyed in the last 20 years. Uh, but it looks something like this, and you can tell these little people, just for scale, 
These are the size of, of people next to your average ziggurat. There are a number of them still in what's Mesopot- ancient Mesopotamia uh, to this day in various states of, uh, of decay. But uh, there are a couple that are still very, very good. And one of the more famous images of the tower being built and uncompleted you can find here. So the people had decided to build a tower and then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which these mortals had built and the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there so that they will not understand one another's speech. And so in the early chapters of Genesis, we see that humanity has decided to make a name for itself, not to glorify God, not to work together so that the full capacity of humanity might be realized. They came together to make a name for themselves. In the ancient world, it was often considered that gods or deities lived up on the top of mountains. We find that in the Psalms. We find that in ancient literature, that that mountains were understood to be the dwelling places of a god. And if you lived in a place where there weren't any mountains, why, you could build one. And so the ziggurat, that edifice that I just showed you, Uh, The ziggurat is, in fact, uh, a man-made mountain, a humanly constructed mountain designed to be a place where heaven and earth intersected. And so, in this place that humanity intended for heaven and earth to intersect for the wrong purposes, for the wrong reason, God sows confusion the confusion that scatters them from one end of the world to another. So there is the story of Babel, the tower at which the world's languages began to be differentiated, where people no longer met in unity with a vision that was unified, but confusion began to reign. Now, the second image that I want to offer you today is this this image of wind and fire. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And if the kids were still up here, I would have them blow into the microphone yet again. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. So here we find at Babel confusion and the differentiation of language. And here at Pentecost we find unity and the coming together of men and women from many different places to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, wind and fire 
represent a kind of prophetic calling. In the book of Ezekiel, someone in the early service today said, Ezekiel is a really long book, and they were absolutely right. Ezekiel is a really long book, and it's strange too. There are these wheels that are covered with eyes. There are four-headed creatures that appear, or four-faced creatures that appear in the book of Ezekiel. In fact, it's so strange that in some Jewish traditions, it is said you shouldn't even read the book of Ezekiel until you are 40 years old. We're not going to get into the content of Ezekiel, and we as Methodists don't say you need to wait until you're 40 in order to read the book of Ezekiel, but at the very beginning, we see the call, the call of Ezekiel, which involves wind and fire. As I looked, a stormy wind came out of the north, a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually. And in the middle of the fire, something like gleaming amber. When God calls his prophet, he uses wind and fire for that call. In the book of Psalms, The psalmist, talking to God, praising God, says, You make the winds your messengers. Fire and flame are your ministers. And so we have the image of wind. We have this understanding that suddenly the wind appears in this room where these disciples are together. Now let me remind you just for a minute of the timeline here. We have Easter, the resurrection day. Jesus for 40 days is with his disciples coming and going, appearing and teaching. And Pentecost is 50 days after the resurrection. So we, we have this period of 10 days when nobody knows what's coming next. We have this period of 10 days when the disciples wonder, is it all over with? What are we waiting for? What comes next? The risen Jesus was with us, but now he's not. What does all of this mean? And then there's wind. The wind comes and blows. Now, one of the things that's really an interesting thing in Hebrew and Greek is that the same word is used for wind, for breath, for spirit, So this mighty wind comes. The mighty wind is the breath of God. It is the Spirit of God that comes and fills this place. Other images we might remember is that when Elijah and Elisha, the prophet, the mentor and the mentee, the prophet Elijah is about to be taken from his mentee, God has told Elisha, Elijah is about to leave you. And when God takes Elijah up into heaven with him, he does so in a whirlwind. Another long book, Ezekiel is not the only long book in the Old Testament. Uh, The book of Job, if you've ever made it all the way to chapter 38, you've gone through a lot of dialogue. Job's friends say something, and then Job says something. And Job's friends respond, and Job responds. And Job's friends get angrier and angrier in their response. And Job gets more and more frustrated by his friends' attempts to describe his suffering 
If only I could hear from God. If only God would encounter me and meet me. If only I could have an audience with God, Job says. And when in chapter 38, God does appear in the book of Job. God appears in the whirlwind and speaks. So there we have the image of wind, and now we can move to the image of fire. The image of fire is all over the place, and let me just take a moment to remind you of some of the more wonderful images, those that stand out. Moses on the run, he's got a warrant out for his arrest in Egypt. He has fled and started a new life, and he is keeping his father-in-law's flocks when he sees God's presence in a burning bush. When Mount Sinai occurs, when Moses is, is up receiving the law on Mount Sinai, the Lord had descended upon it like a fire. At Solomon's dedication of the temple, there is fire that descends and God's glory shines. So, first of all, we have Babel that's turned upside down. Secondly, we have this image of wind and fire. And finally, we've got this image of power. The Bible is literature. It's more than literature, but not less. So, the ways that you learn to interpret literature and High school and college can be used to interpret the literature of the Bible. You, you see at the beginning of the book of Acts, this program for the rest of Acts. What's the book of Acts going to be like? What's it going to say? Well, we learn that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that's what happens in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit comes, the disciples receive power. They are witnesses in Jerusalem. They are driven out of Jerusalem and become witnesses in Judea and Samaria. And then Paul and Silas and Barnabas take this news to the ends of the earth. Once upon a time, God's presence was understood to be found in the temple. If you wanted to encounter God, you went to the temple. That's where anybody who wanted to encounter the Jewish God, no matter where in the region they were, even if they were at the other end of the Mesopotamian Sea, they would come to Jerusalem. When Solomon ended his prayer of dedication of the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. That's where the glory of God was understood to dwell. But here on the day of Pentecost, suddenly from heaven there comes this sound of wind, and once again, fire falls and fills the house where they are sitting, and a divided tongue of fire appeared on each of them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And here they are. In the days of the temple, people came from all of the world to experience the presence of God in the temple. But after Pentecost, the people of God are the temple. And they go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. We are the temple of God. 
The gospel unites the divided world. The people of Jesus represent God's gracious presence in the world. And so the questions are these. Where have we as God's people sought to unify division in our world? Where have you sought to be a unifier of divided people? Where have we as the church witnessed to the grace of God? Let me ask you a question. Where have you witnessed to the grace of God in this world? Have you in the past seven days, 14 days, 28 days, three months, the people who have encountered you, have they seen the grace of Jesus? Or have they seen something else? I always tell people that, you know, we've we've got these stickers. We've got these centenary stickers that you can put on your back windshield. You can put them on your back windshield, but don't put one there if when somebody rear-ends you, you're going to get out and curse them out. If you've got a sticker on your window that represents the church, that represents us, if you're going to behave badly, peel it off before you go and say your piece. Take the little fish and just sort of stand in front of it so nobody knows. You and I are to witness to the grace of God in this world. You and I are to be the living temple of God. You and I are to be that place where heaven and earth intersect so that people through us and in us will see what it means for God to love the world and to go into the world to save it. You are the temple of God. We are the temple of God here together as we remember that God's spirit is poured out. But we are representatives of God's temple in our families, among our friends, in the places where we work, in the places where we play. We represent God because we are the place where the Spirit of God and this world come together in the age of the church. Are we representing God well? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh God, we are grateful that you have given us the responsibility to represent you. And we know we don't do it perfectly and we know that we don't make every opportunity as positive as we wish. But we want you to fill us with your spirit. And we want you to remind us of who we are in you.